0: Loved ones, I'd encourage you to take your Bibles now and turn with me back to the book of James, where we're going to pick up where we left off last week. We find ourselves in James chapter 4, and we're only going to be covering a couple of verses this morning. You've been with us for the last couple of weeks. We have been in a a swamp of self-interest where we have been under an examination by God's Word to reveal the heart of men and women that often are focused on their own pride. In chapter 3, we read about our words and the significance of our words. And in chapter 3, verse 5, we read about our tongue boasting of great things. Later in that chapter... We read about different ways of life. We could have the world's wisdom, or we could have God's wisdom. And the world's wisdom is based on selfish ambition and jealousy that leads to discord, disunity, disorder, and every vile practice. That's verses 14 and 16 of James 3. And then we turned a corner and looked at James 4 thinking maybe we'll get a little bit better here, but we found out that the source of our conflict and quarrels and why are we getting into arguments in our home and in the workplace or even at church, and what we found out was because of these selfish desires that we have that are unmet. And so if you were with us last Sunday, Pastor James took us behind the woodshed a bit, And he told us the remedy for our pride and self-interest is an anguish over our sin. And so he would say, you need to confess that sin. You need to, instead of laughing over it, you need to weep over it. So yes, over the last couple of weeks, we've had this sort of theme of pride and self-righteousness and self-interest. And I suppose if it were a movie... The film score or the soundtrack might just be Frank Sinatra's I Did It My Way. If you're familiar with that last stanza, it says, For what is man and what has he got? If not himself, then he has not. To say the things that he truly feels and not the words of one who kneels. The record shows I took the blows and I did it. My way, and this this American anthem has been played out over and over, and I'm afraid, even potentially in our homes, that has brought a wave of conflict and discord while not at the quite the same level of Frank Sinatra. I was dwelling on these things in recent weeks, and I found myself in a convenience store looking for a snack, and over the speakers was a song from the 80s by Loverboy. That was called, um, what was that again? Um, Oh, man. (laughs) I gotta have it my way. That was the gist of the song. And as a result, I'm in all sorts of conflict in my life because I got to have it my way. And so last week, we were led in some grieving over our sin, And we dried our eyes from crying over our sin. We got up off our knees. And now we're moving on with the rest of our life. And what do you think Pastor James would address next? Pride again. So even though we confess our pride and our sin, we go right back into life and he's going to warn us against something called slander. So let's look at James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. James says, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge. But who is able to save and to destroy? But who are you to judge your neighbor? So let us pray this morning that God would give us more insight of the severity of the words that come out of our mouth, how we can use them for good, but if they're not, they can do a lot of damage. So let's pray. Father, I pray that you would take this couple of verses and, and bring insight to us, help us to understand this sin of slander, and prevent us from so I'm using it against others to do damage to our relationships and even damage to our work and damage to our church family. Help us instead to be able to use our words to bring life and encouragement to others. In Jesus' name, Amen. So let's look first at the definition of what slander is. If you look at verse 11, it just says, Do not speak evil against one another. To speak evil against. Now in the Greek language, the word here is the word kataleo. Kataleo. And if you think about it, that kind of sounds like caddy. Catty speech, does it not? It's something that you might hear in your neighborhood between two stray cats in the middle of the night around a trash can, right? And as it might sound like that, i I'm I'm sorry to say, it has no tracing back to that cat or cataleo. Rather, the word leo is the word speech, kata is the word against. So it just means to speak against. Many translations have just translated this word slander, to speak against. There's a couple of different definitions provided in your handout. One is a full comprehensive one that dates back to 1828 by Noah Webster. Let's look at this meaty definition. It says, Slander is a false tale or report maliciously uttered intending to injure the reputation of another by lessening him in the esteem of his fellow citizens, by exposing him to impeachment and punishment, or by impairing his means of living. Defamation. Now, if it's a little early and you haven't had your coffee yet this morning and that's really wordy for you, here's a second definition that I think gets right to the point. What is slander? Words falsely spoken that damage the reputation of another. Words falsely spoken that damage the reputation of another. Do you know a reputation is something that is valued in the scriptures? The writer of Proverbs says a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. One's reputation, one's reputation above reproach is of great value here in this life. Slander damages that reputation. One might say slander steals the reputation. Years ago, Jerry Bridges wrote a book called Respectable Sins. It's on my list of books that I'd like to get to. But one of these respectable sins that he lists is that of slander. You see, within the church, we have no problem railing on the the abomination of killing the unborn or against getting involved in drugs we're getting involved in prostitution and we speak out boldly against these things. But when it comes to the sin of slander, that seems like more of a respectable one that we tolerate and we don't, well, we don't speak out against, we just simply allow. Slander is a sly sin. The devil, his name means slanderer. And one could engage in slander while sipping a cup of coffee over at the attic with a Bible and a journal sitting across from their best friend. Just slipping into a report of a mutual friend. Of a false tale that damages their reputation. It could, and I dare say probably has, emerged even in our foyer at times before Bible study or before service where two men get together and say, hey, have you heard about so-and-so? They're having trouble in their family. I'll tell you what I think it is. It's it's misplaced priorities. And, And you can make that sort of a statement without ever really knowing that person or what's really going on in their life. That is slander. It can extend beyond our personal lives and into our work lives. Or maybe you have a competitor another business that you are competing against and you hear how this upstart is really flourishing and you're like, man, what's going on over there? Well, I'll tell you what's going on. They're unethical, right? They're all about money and they're all about that sort of practice where we hear we really value people. But you don't even really know who they are or what their business model is. Can that happen in church? You hear about a church that's in the pier, or up in Howard or or somewhere else, and, and it seems like God is really blessing them. Well, I'll tell you why they're blessing over there. They're watering down their message, you know. They're entertaining people. That's why. That's why that's taking place. Aren't you glad that that's never come out of our mouths, right? And it's possible that that sort of stuff could happen, but we can't make that a statement unless we have actually been there and witnessed it ourselves, and interviewed people, or whatever. Slander, there's a definition. So let's take a moment to diagnose, where does this slander come from? We see that slander is putting words to a judgmental attitude. Look with me again here at our passage. The next part of verse 11 says, the one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. You see, for James, slander and judgmental attitude is tied together. You have a judgmental attitude and you speak, and that's what you call slander. Now, are there times within a church family or with, even within your family where there is one involved in sin and you need to correct them or reprove them or rebuke them? Absolutely. You see a man that's not leading his family. You see a man that's overleading his family and he's doing it harshly. And someone needs to come alongside and just speak words of truth to that person. You see a a woman that is involved in sin and there ought to be some ladies that come around and say, I've got to tell you something, what you are doing is wrong and I care too much for you. I have to share the scriptures and bear witness to what you are doing. That is not what we're referring to when we're talking about judgmentalism, though. Judgmentalism is, is assessing someone's heart without knowing the whole story. Slander does not offer the benefit of the doubt. What slander does is it interprets the motives of another person. They got into an auto accident? Probably on their phone. Probably drinking. They're having difficulty at work? I tell you why that is. They're probably on drugs. They lost, that employee lost the account? Our coworker did. He/she's lazy. She's incompetent, and we don't even understand all the inner workings of that account. A slanderer will take a soundbite from the news, a tweet, or a post, and interpret a person's heart and their theology just based on a sentence or two, without examining and researching the context without actually taking time to wonder what did this person mean and is this consistent with what they've said before? Another thought here is diagnosing the slander is one who slanders thinks he is above God's law. So if you look at the next part here in our passage, it says, the, the last part of verse 11, but if you judge the law You are not a doer of the law, but a judge. Look with me at verse 12. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? When you judge your neighbor, you're judging the law. The law here is the Old Testament law. God gave us a law in the Old Testament of commands. And this past summer, we spent... A series of sermons talking about loving your neighbor. And I know you have those memorized and you listen to them over and over again. But just in case you haven't, you might remember in Leviticus chapter 19, this is where Jesus quoted, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on the last message of that series, I preached from that. And I listed what that chapter says about ways that we love our neighbor as ourselves. And picking it up in Leviticus 19, verse 16 through 18, it says, "...you shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. You shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him." You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So how do we love our neighbor as ourselves? According to Leviticus 19, by not slandering them. And so this is the point that James is making, is that when we slander, we are saying to God's law, I am above it. I do not need to submit to it. A couple of years ago, our family bought a four-wheeler, just a little Honda Recon, a 250cc. It's the same size that my wife and I can drive, as well as our eight-year-old boy can drive. So it just, everyone can drive it. It's, it's kind of nice. There's a little sticker on the front part of that four-wheeler that shows a driver and a passenger, and there's a circle with the no, it says, no passengers. Well, how do you have no passengers when you have five boys, right? So it's not unusual for us to load up myself and five boys on that four-wheeler and go tooling around our yard. A couple of summers ago, we were up north, and we were staying at a place, and there were some ATV trails around there. We went to a little country church on that Sunday morning, and Melody says, I'll make lunch for you. You guys want to go on a four-wheeler ride? And so I loaded up the four oldest and myself, and we went on some of these four-wheeler trails. And as we were going around a trail, here's a couple of UTVs and ATVs coming this way with their helmets and their goggles and all decked out in colors, and here are the Hurtler Hillbillies, right? We're just coming down with five of us on this four-wheeler. And our boys have seen that little sticker there that says, "Hey, Dad, no passengers." How come? How come there's no no? We're not supposed to have any passengers here. And I say, "Son, that's just a sticker. That's just decoration." <laughs> I am above that law. I am above that law. I will. We don't need to obey that law. And that's what we are saying, not about a sticker, but about the most. One of the most fundamental commandments, the great commandment, to love our neighbor as ourselves when we don't speak nice to one another and we slander one another. If you want to trace slander back to its root, it is pride, right? Someone comes up and says, Chad, there is a preacher that I just love to hear. He is articulate, a right blend of humor and and, and seriousness, he is winsome, he shares truth with that I can handle. And I just, I just love to hear him. Now, who is it? Oh, it's so-and-so. Oh, do you know that he has pr- problems in his marriage? <laughs> no, I didn't know that. Yeah, you just better listen to what he says, but don't follow his life, okay? And suddenly, you know what happens to me? I kind of feel better about myself because I've just downgraded someone else. And we do the same thing. We feel better about ourselves when we can slander others. And that's why we do it. Instead of letting God exalt us, we exalt ourselves. So let's consider thirdly then, damaged caused by slander. Slander divides friends. In Proverbs 6, there is a list of the sins that God hates the most. Verses 16 through 19, this is what it says. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Listen to these. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and then listen to the last one. And one who sows discord among brothers, and this is what slander does: is it separates people. Let me let me just illustrate this. Um, and I haven't called on any of these different people, but if I were just to, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick on Jared because everyone seems to know Jared, and we can do that. And everyone I think knows him well. That the story I'm gonna tell of him, we would all laugh at. Okay. And if I go over here to Don, and I say, uh, and we're visiting with one another, and Jared walks by, and I said, uh, did you see that new vehicle that Jared is driving? And, And we're commenting on it one another, and I said, you know how he got that? I believe he got that by being dishonest at work. I believe there was some embezzlement going on there. Now, Don doesn't know Jared very well at all, okay? I don't know that, but I'm just saying for the case of our story, he doesn't know Jared very well. Do you know that what I've done is I've just planted a seed? that Every time Don hears Jared's name or sees his name, or maybe sees him in the church directory, do you know what one of the thoughts is going to be? Is the lie that I just shared with him. And his reputation has just been damaged as a result of that. That's what slander does. Just yesterday I was at this uh, meeting of pastors. I was there in the morning and and they introduced this person to come up. And I thought, I've heard this name before. And my mind went back to over five years ago where a friend said something about this speaker. And it was not something positive. And I didn't even know why, but I sat there and I'm like, I don't even think I want to listen to this speaker because I can remember hearing something bad about them. It was later in the evening as I was relaying the events of the day with my wife that I realized that that person, that friend that said something about this speaker, they didn't even know that person either. But that ten minutes in which that person spoke, I didn't want to listen because they had been slandered. Their reputation was was tarnished because of this other comment made. So that's the problem with slander. When we say something it's really difficult to get that lie out of someone's mind or if it happens to us. So slander divides friends. Listen to what Proverbs 16, verse 28 says, A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. Slander does a tremendous amount of damage. When I googled slander this week, I was surprised to find out that the first few sites that come up are actually law sites, because defamation and slander is such a huge deal. If you're a celebrity, very likely you have been defamed by some tabloid magazine. And if you're a news network and maybe you've done a documentary on some sort of a business and you didn't research it accurately, you can actually cause a business to go into bankruptcy. And they might turn around and sue you. If one wanted to undermine, resist, and thwart the progress of Highland Crest, slander would likely be a weapon of choice. Offer a few choice words strategically spoken to question some leader's motives, their personal life, or judgment. Wind those words up and let them go. One wonders what might happen. That's why I'm preaching this message. It's next here in line, but maybe God would have us to build a firewall around our church that we would not go down this road. So let's talk about defending against slander. How can I defend against this? There's three different things here. One, confess it. I'm just being honest here. I think it's I think it's very likely that all of us deal with slander to some degree or one another. As I've been kind of swimming in this passage this week, there's been two different times where I was about ready to say something and my mouth just stopped. Like, I think I'm about ready to slander. I think I'm just going to shut up right here. How do we confess it? I think we can go right back to the passage that we just covered. Look with me again at verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Let me get in the right order. God, you are king, and I am your subject. I'm going to submit to you. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. So confess this sin. Our passage this morning reminds us of our need of the cross. Maybe I need to confess this sin to another person. And because our words reflect what are in our hearts, we would be wise to trace those words back to our hearts. Why do I slander? Well, clearly it's because of pride. But is it shown in anger? Is it shown in selfishness? Is it shown in unforgiveness? God, would you help me to root out this cause of slander? Secondly, be deliberate. Man, if there is something, a root of a tree that I'm trying to get out of my yard, that is a task of which I'm digging, I'm I'm chopping, maybe even using a chainsaw to get that thing out of my yard. And we ought to apply the same tenacity to the words that come out of our mouth. God, transform my heart. I want to use my words for good. We read this morning at the beginning of our service, Ephesians 4.29. So one of the ways that we can prevent slander is to to speak encouraging words rather than negative words. So to meditate on Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So we're about ready to get with our friend for coffee. So we're about ready to have some people over. We're about ready to go hunting with a buddy. And we know that we are prone to slandering people or saying words that ought not to come out of our mouth, to meditate on this verse. God, I don't want any corrupting words to come out of my mouth right now, but only words of grace may they come out. And then thirdly, help. Help others. Fighting slander is not an individual project. Rather, it is a community project. Can we just all admit that we struggle with the words that come out of our mouths? Would that, would that be all right that we could just make a, a corporate confession of that? And if that is true, why don't we help one another with that? So when that begins to slip out of our mouths to say, Hey, I'm just curious, have you shared that concern with the person you're about talking about right now? Have you checked out what you are telling me to see if it is true? Would you like to go to that person right now and find out if that is true? Just to be clear, this information, is this information that I should know? Or do you want me to help? Should I go help you pursue some reconciliation with this person? Right now, are you guarding that person's reputation? Let us help one another with this. And as a church family, let us work on our relationships with one another and guard them, even with your close friends, to help them with their tongues that we might be an encouragement to one another rather than tearing one another down. I think you'll find this Lord's Supper is very appropriate for us. It's not that the Lord's Supper taking it is going to forgive us of our sins. But slander provides another reminder of how much I need the forgiveness that Christ offers. And we get to remember the cross this morning. And this practical sin that often gets lived out in our life. How much we need forgiveness and how much we need God's transforming grace. Let's pray together. I think we're going to be singing a song to kind of tune our hearts to get us ready for the Lord's Supper. Father, thank you for a a word here from James and help us to do the work of loving one another by getting time to know one another, by giving one another the benefit of the doubt, by looking to the old log that is in our eye and taking the steps to take that out before we see the speck in another's. Oh, build a firewall around our church that we would take the time to weigh the words, give people the benefit of the doubt, allow them to explain themselves before we do the damage of setting a fire by a small spark that is spoken by our tongue. In Jesus' name, Amen.